Welcome everybody who's here, and uh, if you happen to be new with us, my name is Josh, I'm one of the pastors, and I just want to welcome you to the church and, and uh, let you know that, that we count it as a, uh, just an honor, we're just thankful that you would say it's a Sunday morning and I'm going to go to church for the first time uh, at this new church, so thank you for doing that, and uh, I want to encourage you to get connected. One, hopefully stop by uh, our new here tent and connect wall, we've got a t-shirt for you, a gift for you there. But also, I want to encourage you to go to Pathway. And, and that goes for you if you're brand new, or maybe you're newer to the church, or, or maybe you're, you're here, but you're just not connected yet. Uh, Pathway, that video you just saw, that is the best way to get connected at the Rock Church. That, that if you want to get connected, that's definitely the best way. It's an eight-week-long small group experience uh, that happens at our 10 o'clock hour. So two weeks from today is when we'll start a new session. Uh, so you can just come to Pathway and then jump over to church afterwards. All right. Uh, so that's happening. A uh, couple other things I want to say. Uh, Clay and Coach Clay uh, mentioned it earlier uh, that we have a 30 days of prayer uh, that is starting on September 1st. And if you're not, uh, if you don't realize this, Friday is actually September 1st. How crazy is it that this week it turns into September? You know what I mean? Like, like, like that just seems nuts if you think about it, that fall is here. Uh, but I want to encourage you, uh, we have 1,400 opportunities through the month of September to pray for 30 minutes. So take advantage of that. Join with us and sign up uh, to do that, that prayer time. Uh, it's on your app and definitely want to encourage you to do that. All right, now, we're, we're in a series that, that is called Unleashed. And we started this series two weeks ago. The whole point of Unleashed is we want to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives through prayer. Uh, that's a statement that I've been very specific on saying uh, for two straight weeks. A third week, we want to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives through prayer. That, that the Holy Spirit, God, wants to be active in our life. And the way that we get active with God, one of those ways is through prayer. And I know for, for different ones of us, prayer can look a little bit different, right? Like we think prayer is just about talking to God. It's much more than that, and I'll talk about that in a second. But, but, but let me back up and remind you that week one, we said that prayer uh, needs to be a priority, that, that we need to pray first, but oftentimes, like, we pray second or third or last. We, we might say things like, well, I don't have anything else I can do. I might as well pray about it. And we're trying to flip that script. We're trying to go a lot different than that and say, no, I want prayer to be a priority in my life. And, and then last week, we added to it, we said that, that prayer uh, needs to have a place of power in our life because prayer is powerful. And, and we kind of said it this way, that we need to put our foot to the floor. We need to hit the gas when it comes to prayer. All right. Now, now today I'm going to add another one. Today we're going to talk about the practice of prayer. All right. And, and, and practice is an interesting word in itself. 
uh, that, that for me, uh, I, I'm a, a former athlete. I say former because I'm old, okay? Um, and, but, but when I was in high school, when I was in college, like, like I played and I participated. But I can tell you, I don't know if I ever woke up and said, today I get a practice. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like practice is, is like some people really like it. Others are like, ah, no, can we just play the game? Like, that's the way I am with golf. Like, I love golf. Many of y'all know this about me. I love to golf. But I can't tell you the last time I practiced golf. That, that I, I don't want to practice, I want to play. So, so I haven't been to a putting green to practice. I haven't been to the chipping green. I, I haven't been to the bunker. Because if I have time to put a golf club in my hand, I want to play. All right? I don't want to practice. But practice is where we get better. Uh, practice doesn't always lead to perfection, right? But it does help us to get better. And with prayer, what would it look like if we started to practice praying? What would it look like if we practiced the art of prayer? And again, not because we're going to get perfect at it. You will never get perfect at praying, okay? Like you're never going to hit this point where you arrive. It's kind of like um, those who practice law and medicine, right? Like, if you even heard what I said there, they practice it. They have a law practice, a medical practice. And the reason that, that their career is called practice is because they're constantly growing. They're constantly learning. They're constantly improving. And we want that, don't you? Like, does anybody want to go to a doctor who says, oh, 30 years, I lear- 30 years ago I learned this, but I haven't done anything with it until today. Let me see what I can do. Right? Like, we don't want that. We want our doctor to practice on someone else and then help us. Guys, it's, it's one of those things you can never perfect. And that's the way it is with prayer. And, and I think that's the reason some of us have kind of given up on prayer. Right? Like, some of you are, like, brand new at this idea of praying. And for you, it's, it's like... Man, I, when I pray, it's a little boring. I don't necessarily know what to do. Uh, it, it's kind of, a, kind of a little thought I give towards God. It's, it's a little conversation I, I have with myself. And, and you might be in that boat. You, you might be in that boat where, where faith is so new to you. Maybe this is your first ever church experience. And so you're like, I don't even know how to pray, let alone practice it. Others of you have maybe, maybe like had faith for years, and it's gotten to a point where you say, well, my prayers are kind of boring, and my prayers are kind of mundane, and, and sometimes I don't see if they work at all, so why should I even do it? Let me remind you what prayer is. Prayer is any kind of relational connection with God. That it's not just what we would say to God. See, I think too many times we think prayer is just what I would say to God. No, prayer is much more than that. Prayer is a relational connection. So whether this is brand new to you 
or whether you've had faith for a long time, what I want us to do is I want us to practice the discipline of prayer because it will deepen our desire and develop our devotion. Does does that make sense? That if we practice the discipline of prayer, it can deepen our desire and develop our devotion to God. So I want to give you, prepare yourself, seven things today. Exactly, okay? I'll just tell you right now, I don't think ever in my life before this weekend I preached a seven-point sermon. But today I'm going to preach a seven-point sermon. And I know for some of you, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, because I come all the time, Josh, and you usually do two or three points, like seven points, like did I need to pack a lunch, because is this going to be really long? No, we'll still get out on our normal time. I'm going to hit them real quick, but I want to give you seven points, all right? And last week, it was like very passionate. Today, it's just going to be very practical. Seven different ways that you can pray, because I want you to develop the discipline. I want you to deepen your desire. I want your devotion to grow. And I want you to start seeing prayer as something more than just you talking to God, but seven different ways to do that. Seven different ways to increase that relational connection. So if you're a note taker, today's definitely a good day to take notes. Because if not, you won't remember all seven. I know that, all right? But, but hopefully you'll get some, all right? Here's the first one. Uh, that And it comes from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 22. That's the main verse we're going to read from today. It says this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. In this one, we actually see four of them, okay? Prayer, I'm going to use that for the whole thing and a few excerpts. But the first three is listed there. The first one is the apostles' teaching. If you want to know how to pray, then pray through the word. Just pray through the word. All right? The, to pray the Bible. That, that's the first way. And, and I know if you've been here the last two weeks, you might go, Josh, didn't you say that last week? And didn't you say it the week before? Yes, I did. I'm trying to drive home a point that one of the best ways for you to pray is just open up God's word and read it. Go back to Acts 2.42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That when you read the apostles' teaching there, uh, what, what that means is the Bible. Now, for them, back then, this is at the early days of the church, they didn't have the New Testament in written form. What they had was the apostles alive. And the apostles were the ones who walked with Jesus. They were the ones who saw Jesus die on the cross, that saw him rise from the dead. So the apostles would would teach the people everything that Jesus had said and done. Now we have the apostles' teaching written down, all right? And and let's make sure we we know that. I'm going to say it real quick. It's really a different sermon for a different day, but real quick, when we read the New Testament, we're not reading... Some words of somebody's words of somebody's words of somebody's words of somebody's words about Jesus. We are reading the eyewitnesses who were with Jesus. We're reading their words. Okay? And again, it's a different sermon to go all into the, to the uh, history of Scripture. But just understand that, that we can 
we can devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching today simply by reading God's word and praying it. Well, how do I pray God's word? We'll go to week one, go to week two, I explain it. I'll give you one more way to do it, okay? If the first two weeks didn't catch, maybe this will. Read it, reflect on it, recite it. I read God's word, I reflect on a verse, and then I recite that verse back to God. That, that's a way of praying. You want to know seven different ways to pray? Pray through the Bible, pray through the body. Okay, going back to the scripture. It says this in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, meaning they were devoted to one another, that they spent time with one another, that they talked with one another, that they were in community with one another, which means they also prayed together. And we need to be people who pray together. That, that I want you to pray by yourself, I want you to pray privately, I want you to pray personally, but we also need to pray together because there's power when we connect with one another and take our thoughts to God. There's power when we join together and as a body, we start praying and asking God to move on somebody's behalf. A great illustration of that um, was a guy from church, he's been, been here at The Rock for a long time, and uh, I was talking to him out in the lobby earlier in the week. He came by. Uh, he's helping kind of do a project for us as a church. And he said, Josh, I, I got to tell you about the power of prayer. And not just the power of me praying, but the power of the body praying together. He said, I don't know if you know this, but my daughter, when she was born, she was born with a, a heart defect. And uh, we had to rush her back to the hospital uh, when she was only a couple days old. And the doctor said she's not going to make it. They put her on a vent, but, but she had a heart issue that, that, that they had said, there's no way they can do surgery, there's no way they can fix it, and she's going to die. But we started praying, and, and, and then all of a sudden, word got out to some other churches, and, and other churches started praying, and we started running into people and people connecting with us, saying, I know you don't know me, but I'm praying for you and your wife and your daughter. I'm praying that God will do a miracle. And then all of a sudden, uh, the, the hospital said, let's send her down to MUSC. There's still no chance that she's going to survive, but let's send her down there anyway. They went down there, ended up doing surgery. Today, she's 30 years old and is about to have a baby. Amen? God showed up. And what I loved about his testimony is he said, Josh, people all the time, like continuously kept coming up to me, people I have no clue who they are, but they said, we sat as a church and as a body and we prayed for your little girl. Your little girl who the doctors did say, even after she got off the vent and was of age, said, you'll never be able to have a baby because of your heart condition and is now about to give birth. It's amazing what the power of prayer will do when we pray as the body. How do I pray? Well, I can pray through the Bible. I can pray with the body. I can pray through communion. All right, let, let, let's go back to the verse again. All right, Acts 2.42, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and the breaking of bread. Now, when it talks about the breaking of bread there, that, that doesn't just mean... Um, like, like they ate together. It, it does mean that. They did eat together. But what the writer here is really getting at is he was talking about a thing that, as a church, we call communion, or sometimes we'll call it the, the Lord's Supper, that, that, that it's, a, 
It's a thing we do. If you're here at the Rocket, we have it up on the front of the stage, and there's a, a little cup that's got a piece of bread in it and, and, and a, another little cup that's got some juice in it, and we call that communion. And, and when you take communion, it's actually an act of prayer. For me personally, it's how I first learned to pray. Uh, some of you know my story. I didn't grow up in a church. I had no faith background at all. And when I came to know the Lord, I went to church. The church I attended, they did communion uh, every weekend at every service. So, so I grew up, or I shouldn't say grew up, for those couple months that I was going to that church, I knew every time I went to church, I got a chance to take communion. I got a chance to focus on the, the body of the Lord and the blood of the Lord and pray with him. And pray to him. And, and, and I just thought that's what happened in every church. I thought every church did communion every week. And some of you grew up Catholic, that, that you're used to that. Uh, others of you grew up in other faith traditions where maybe you did that weekly, or maybe you did it once a month, or once a quarter, or once a year, or maybe never at all. But for me, it's all I knew. And, and two months after I came to Christ, I left to go into the military, to go into the army. And, and when I was at basic training, if anybody's been in the military, you know, basic training, they're, they're basically trying to break you down. And, and sure enough, they were breaking me down emotionally. I was kind of distraught. After about four weeks, I finally got a chance to go to a chapel service on a Sunday morning. And I went, and I remember sitting down, and we're worshiping, we're listening to, to the chaplain teach, and, and it was all great, but I was like, I just want to take communion. Like, for me, that's how I connected with God. So I was so ready to take communion, and then the service ended. I was like, where's communion? And, and so I walked up to the chaplain, and I was like, excuse me, sir, um, I didn't get a chance to take communion. Did, did we not, we don't pass communion? Like, where's it at? And he goes, oh, if you want communion, you have to go to the Catholic Mass. I was like, okay, but I'm not Catholic. He goes, oh, then you can't take communion. I was like, well, well, well time out. I, I don't understand. And some of you come from a Catholic background, and you understand the kind of rules and, and how they do, do communion in a Catholic service. But I was like, wait, so you're saying for me to take communion, I have to go to the Catholic Mass. But if I go, they won't give me communion because I'm not Catholic. He said, that's right, son. I made a decision right there on the spot. Because see, see, the the only reason I was in the military was to get money so I could go to college to be a, a pastor. And, and I made a decision right then. I said, if I'm ever at a church where I get to help make some of the decisions for the church, one of the decisions I'm going to push for is that we have communion at every service. And that's why we have communion at every service. Because we need to connect with Jesus. See, I want you to see that. Because, see, I know there's some of you who have probably never taken communion. You've heard us talk about it, but you're like, I don't even know what it is. Well, let, let me show it to you in Scripture. It's 1 Corinthians 11. It says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. 
that, that the writer here, he's saying that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, picked up bread, picked up juice, wine, and he said, every time you eat bread, I want you to remember me. Every time you drink wine, if you drink from the vine, I want you to remember me. So when we take communion, like, here's what we're doing. We're remembering Jesus and his death. We're praying and we're thanking him for his death. Like, look at the next verse. It says, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. That we're saying, Lord, I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe in your finished work on the cross. I'm praying to him. But it goes one step further. It says this, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. That what the scripture is teaching us is spend time thanking him for what he did on the cross, but then praying to him and recognizing areas in our life where, where, where we've got sin, areas in our life where we've messed up, things that we said this week that we shouldn't have said or done this week that we shouldn't have done. And unfortunately, what has happened is for some of us, this verse has scared us away from taking communion. And that's not what the verse is there for. That the verse is there for is to encourage you to take it, but take it by spending time in prayer, acknowledging Jesus' death and your need of a Savior. You see, we pray through the Bible. We pray with the body, through communion. Here's another one, through meditation. And I know when I say that word, sometimes that word, you go, meditation, does that mean like, hmm, Right? You know what I mean? Like that word, like for some of us, is a weird word. It shouldn't be. It's a good biblical word. The book of Psalms says, meditate on your scriptures every day. That when I meditate, what I'm doing is I'm pausing. I'm clearing my mind. I'm clearing my focus. I'm getting other things away from me. And I'm saying, Jesus, reveal yourself. And we see it in Acts chapter 11. Uh, Jesus revealed himself uh, to Peter up on a roof. In, in Acts chapter 20, 22, that Jesus, uh, Paul was at the temple and Jesus revealed himself there, that he gave him visions. And God wants to do the same to you, to me today, that he wants to reveal himself. So we, we have to meditate on his word. We have to pause. We have to be silent. We have to push away the distraction. And I'll tell you this, that, that, that God has revealed himself to me during those times of meditation. I, I've never visually seen anything, but the Holy Spirit has impressed things on my mind, impressed things on my heart, gave me clarity when I was thinking about a decision. He revealed some things to me that I needed to know when I paused and meditated. Pray through the Bible, pray through the body, or with the body, uh, pray through communion, pray through meditation, pray through confession. And then when I say confession, I don't mean confessing to one another. That's good to do. It's great for accountability. <clears throat> but what I mean is confessing to the Lord. There's a crazy story. It's in Acts chapter 19. I don't have time to really tell it, so I'll tell you just a smidge of it. 
Bottom line is there was a guy who was demon-possessed, and uh, he was, you know, struggling and causing chaos, and, and there was these seven other dudes that they weren't followers of Christ, they didn't know God or anything, but they had heard about Jesus, and they had heard about how Paul had cast out demons, so they looked at this demon-possessed man, and they said, uh, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you, get out. And, and I love what happened next, and, and, and I know I got a little bit of a warped sense of humor, but what happened next is hilarious, okay? That, that this demon-possessed man looked back at these seven dudes and said, Jesus, I know. Uh, Paul, oh, I've heard of him, but who are you? And then all of a sudden, this demon-possessed man charged at him and whooped their butts. Like they ran away naked and bleeding. It's basically like he opened up a can, if you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying? Like that happened. But then I want you to notice what happened next. This is verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 18. It says, when the church heard this, they all went and prayed and confessed, not to each other, to God, the evil and the darkness that they still had in their life. Again, these are Christians. These are Christ's followers. These are people who have responded to God, responded to Jesus, but they recognize there's some things in my life that are not of God. So they confessed them because they recognized the power of God and the war that they were in. And so they confessed them and they said, God, uh, we want to we repent of the evil. We want to repent of the darkness. We want to repent of the witchcraft. And then the very next line says this, and then the Holy Spirit moved mightily through them all. We unleash the power of the Holy Spirit when we pray through confession. Because what we're doing is we're saying, Jesus, there's areas of my life that have not been surrendered to you. What would it look like if we confessed those areas to the Lord? You pray through the Bible, with the body, uh, through communion, through meditation, through confession. Here's another one. Through fasting. That, that Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14 uh, talks about fasting. It, it talks about uh, going without food. And again, this is something that I believe as a church, uh, and when I say church, I mean like the global church, especially the American church, we've kind of we've lost this discipline. We've lost this practice. And we need to get it back. Because when you fast, what you're literally doing is you're saying no to food. You're saying no to your appetite. And one thing I think all of us could confess is we're not very good at saying no to our appetite. Am I right? And I don't just mean our appetite for food. All right? We're not good at saying no to the things that we want to indulge in. We're, we're not good at saying no to the things that we want right now. And again, that's not all bad things. There's some good things, but we still like, oh, I got to have it. I got to have it now. When you fast, you're saying no to good things. Food is good. You're saying no to it because what I'm trying to say is yes to Jesus. I'm saying no to my appetite. I'm disciplining myself because I want to draw in closer to Jesus. So how do you fast? Well, you can do partial fast. There, there's a partial food fast. We see it in the Old Testament with a guy named Daniel. 
that he ate fruits and vegetables and nuts and stayed away from everything else. That's what you call partial food fast. Uh, another partial food fast is you could say, I'm going to say no to food, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink the things that I would normally drink, coffee, juice, milk, Diet Coke, that, that you know what I mean? Like, like I'm going to say no to the food, and, but yes to liquid. Or you can do a full food fast where you say no to all food and all drinks except for water. And, and you can do that over different periods of time. Like, like you might say, well, I'm going to do a, uh, uh, a morning and lunch fast. I'm going to skip breakfast and fast that. Now, for many of you in this room, that wouldn't work very well. Because I'm guessing half of you haven't seen breakfast since you were a kid. You know what I'm saying? So don't, don't, if you never eat breakfast, go, oh, I'm going to fast for breakfast. No, you're not. You're going to do what you normally do. But like, I can say this for me, I eat breakfast religiously. And so when I fast for breakfast by 10 o'clock, man, I, I'm hungry. And if you're sitting around me, you know I'm hungry. You're going to hear it, right? Like the stomach's going to growl. So when I skip breakfast and lunch, but, but I eat dinner, what I do during that day is, is I just think about the Lord. And when I would normally be eating, I spend some time praying. When I feel a hunger pain, I pause and I pray about whatever it is that I'm wanting to take before the Lord that day. Right? That, that you can do a partial fast like that. You can do a 24-hour fast, a three-day fast. You can do a 28-day fast, a 40-day fast. You can do it in all kinds of different ways, just making sure that you, you set up either full fast or partial fast. But we do it so that we can draw in closer to the Lord. There's one more way to pray that, that I'm going to mention. There's others, but one more today, and that's worship. That if we look through the book of Acts, that we see these guys worshiping the Lord. We see in Acts 16 that Paul and Silas are in a jail, but they're worshiping the Lord. When we gather together, we, we don't have a band playing just because we want a band playing. We don't sing songs to, to pass the time until, until the preacher gets up to talk. We worship because worship is a type of prayer. It's where we're, we're speaking to God. We're, we're giving our hearts to God. We're talking to God with a melody. We're, we're crying out to God. And we're trying to draw in close to God. It, it reminds me of the wailing wall in Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the wailing wall, or sometimes they'll call it the western wall. That, that what it is, is it's the western wall of the old Jewish temple. All right, now, now you got to go a couple thousand years ago, but there was a time where, where the presence of God resided at the temple, and, and eventually um, the, the temple was destroyed. So now Jews or Christians, they can't get to the top of the temple. You can't get to uh, the place of worship in the temple. But what you can still get to is the Western Wall. Uh, so what Jews will do or Christians will do if they're in Jerusalem is they'll go to the Western Wall because it's as close as you can get to the old Holy of Holies. And people will go there because they're like, I want to connect with God. I want to worship God. I want to meditate on his scriptures. I want to pray. I want, I want to get close. I was talking to Scott Johnson, who is our Aner campus pastor, and Scott leads trips to Israel about every other year. He'll lead a trip to Israel. And I said, Scott, I assume you've been at the Western Wall. He goes, oh, yeah. It was an amazing experience. He said, I went there, and, and I wrote, wrote a, 
a prayer down on a, on a little card and, and then I shoved it in the wall. It's what people will do. They'll worship, they'll pray, and they'll, 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 they'll put their prayers inside the western wall. You go there a day, you'll see all these little cards, all these little pieces of paper. And he said, and I did it. He goes, I, it, was just a, it was a spiritual moment of connecting with Jesus. He said, it was awesome. But we also talked about the beauty of our faith with Jesus is we don't have to go to the Western Wall to sit in the presence of Jesus. Because of the finished work of Christ, Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, is with us right now. And he is here with us. And we can connect with him right now. So I want us to take a lesson from the Jews who go to the Western Wall, and I want us to go to Jesus. And one way that I'm going to encourage you to do that today is to grab a card. There's a lot of little cards like this in the chairs in front of you. It might be a blue one or a yellow one or a pink one. And I'm going to encourage you to grab the pen that's there and write out a prayer. You spend some time praying and practicing prayer. And then maybe, maybe this is what you want to do is you want to write that prayer on there and then you can roll it up nice and tight and come up front to our prayer corner. You'll see where people all morning have been putting their prayers in our prayer wall. And you can just say, Jesus, I just want to give this to you. You can see over by the baptistry, people have been putting those prayers all day. Some people on that side, this is what I know they're praying. Jesus, I pray that my mom would give her life to you and would take that step of baptism. Jesus, I pray that my teammate would give his life to you and would take that step of baptism. See, what I want us to do for the rest of our service is practice praying, which means going to the walls, which means going to take communion, maybe for the first time ever in your life, and confessing, Jesus, I believe you died, and I need you to forgive me of my sin. Maybe praying with somebody. I know myself and some others will be right there at that connect corner. And we would love to pray with you. I'm going to ask you to go into this time of prayer. And normally I know I tell you to stand. I'm not going to tell you to do that today because I know some of you are just going to sit and write. And whenever you want to stand, stand. You want to keep sitting, sit. You want to come take communion, come take communion. But let's practice praying right now. Jesus, we come before you. We ask that you would move in our midst. We bow at your feet. We come to the altar. We give it all to you right now. We confess. We acknowledge. We surrender together. In your name, let's pray.